Welcome to the, the Mesh Point Podcast. Tonight, we're extremely excited to have Coach Paul Pitts. Uh, he's the freshly minted O-line coach at Gallatin High School up in Tennessee. Coach, how you doing tonight, man? Oh, doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on tonight. Wow, uh, we're excited. Should have had you on a long time ago, man, to be honest with you. <laughs> we're excited to have you on. But, man, you know, we always start with the, with the journey, right? So kick us off. You know, tell us. Tell us your background, where you're from, where you played, and, and go all the way up to, to now at Galvin. I got you. Yeah, you know, I always feel like I had a kind of unique deal of how I got into coaching and all that. Um, I I was a terrible high school football player. You know, I played in in a, a Noonan, Georgia, at East Coweta High School. And, man, I've just – I got no athletic genes. And so, you know, I played and – the only reason the coach would ever put me on the field is somebody got hurt and they needed somebody to go <laughs> to the right person, not to actually block them, but actually just go and get in his general area. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but I loved it, man. I love the teammates and the relationships I have. Everybody I, that was in my wedding, I played high school football with. And so that just meant so much to me. And uh, I went to college and, I went to college at Gardner or started out at Gardner Webb University, which is up in Bowling Springs, North Carolina, and was just going to be a student there. And what I found is everybody on my hallway were football players. Well, most people went home on the weekends whenever I was there. Well, I was three states away and it took me four hours to get home. So I didn't go home every weekend. And so I became friends with the football players because they were the only ones on campus. And so we got around to spring ball and they needed somebody to come out and be a manager and be a filmer. And so I went and they were just, we were playing video games. They're like, dude, you just need to come be a filmer for us. That way you can travel on game day and hang out with us. And so that's what I did. I started filming and handling a lot of the equipment for Gardner Webb and uh, learning all the video breakdown. Well, when I was there, I met a guy, the wide receivers coach was Phil Jones and uh, that guy became like a father to me, um, just the most special person I've ever met in my life. Um, and he left and started the program, uh, football program at Shorter University down in Rome, Georgia. And it was an NAI program. We started it from scratch. I mean, they, they announced him as the head coach, and they said, Coach, what do you need to get this thing going? I said, well, probably having a football would be a good start. So they went to Walmart and bought him a football and said, here you go. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, he left and started that program. And after, uh, after he left, I just kind of felt the Lord drawing me towards him, drawing me to get closer to home. So I transferred and ended up finishing my college degree at Shorter. And uh, Coach Jones was such a good person. I, that first year I ran the scout team. I handled the managers, the film did all the breakdown stuff. And then I just went to him and I was going into my senior year of college said, coach, I'd really like to learn how to coach. And so he let me coach the tight ends that first year, my senior year. And I just kind of worked my way through the ranks. I was a GA there. And then I eventually became the offensive line coach. Uh, and I ended up being in shorter for a total of nine years. I think I ended up just short of our 10th anniversary season. So I was there for nine years and learned so much. Had some great coaches and mentors there. 
and got the opportunity to go to University of the Cumberlands, which is in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and went up there as the offensive coordinator. I was there for four years, uh, and then actually the offensive line coach at Shorter whenever I was there before I became the offensive line coach, and then he became the OC. He went to Cumberland University, which is Lebanon, Tennessee, and he got the head coaching job. And so I was able to come down with him and coach as the offense coordinator at Cumberland for a year. Uh, and after that, I guess I'd been in college coaching for 14 years by that point. And I realized, you know, at this point, I got two kids and a wife. I need to make a little bit more money than what NAI coaching does. So I got the opportunity to go to Trousdale County High School, which is just north of uh, Nashville. And I was there for the past two years as the offensive coordinator. Went to the semifinals the past two years. Had a great, great two seasons. Great kids, great program and community. And then uh, about three weeks ago, I was offered the job at Gallatin High School as the offensive line coach and just thought it'd be a good opportunity to go. So jumped on board and uh, started coaching up and practicing at Gowden this yeah. uh, two weeks. <laughs> Getting them going, right? Yeah, we're trying to. You know, it's a – they have been in the spread. And so, you know, they've been in the gun, trying to throw it, run some zone and all that. So, you know, it's a little bit different for those kids. Man, they're great kids and they're buying into what we're doing and, and they really seem to enjoy it. So, good. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, we, we normally, you know, kind of ask you about some guys that you've leaned on. I would guess Coach Jones be right at the top of the list there, I would think. So maybe just talk about a mentor you've leaned or a couple guys you've leaned on over the years to kind of help you through some difficult decisions. You know, the guy like like I'm sure you talked to some guys when you're going to get out, right? I'm sure you yeah. talked to some, you know, I'm sure you talked to some guys when you made some moves. So, you know, talk about a couple of those guys that mean a lot to you and then we'll We'll hit on down the road here. Yeah. You know, Phil Jones obviously was the biggest. I mean, that that guy in, in this area or in Georgia, I mean, he's a legend. And he was a high school coach for 30 years. He retired as a high school coach before getting into college coaching and spent time at UGA and SMU. And, you know, he, he was important to me because he showed why it's so important to have great relationships with people. And that everything that we're doing is based on relationships, relationships with our players, with other coaches. Um, and, you know, as a young coach that was fiery and wanting to just, you know, show who I was as a coach and prove myself, he was the person that was always able to pull me back and say, you know what, like, that's a person that needs something besides a veer step. You know, you got to talk to them about this because this veer step is, is cool and it's great but it ain't going to help them here in about five years. Uh, so what are you going to do to invest in these young kids or young people uh, so that they can be successful and know what's really important? Uh, and so he was the biggest, and I can't talk about anybody without talking about him. He passed away this past year, um, or passed away, I guess, last summer. Um, you know, But, man, he left such a huge legacy. Then you got Tim Mathis, who's the head coach at Cumberland University. I worked with a shorter, great person. I just – I see him as somebody that helped me learn how to be a father because uh, I watched him raise his kids. They were all teeny tiny kids, and now they're in college. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, people that have been great mentors to me football-wise, uh, Ron Boyd over at the Siddle, the Siddle offensive line coach. I think the world of him. I think he does one of the best jobs in the country. Mm -hmm. Um. 
as a football coach. And, you know, if I have questions a lot of times or a lot, you know, just whatever it is, he's somebody that I kind of lean on and talk to. So good. Yeah. No, he's, he's a great one. He really, yeah. and, uh, uh, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to meet coach Jones, but, uh, Tim talked highly of him too when we talked to him on the podcast. So you know, I, I forgot about yeah. There you yeah, go. So you, imagine you know, you know a guy had some reach. You know what I mean as far as being a mentor to guys when you when you, when you hear that. So that's yeah. awesome. Man. That's awesome. Well, hey, coach. Um, when I think about you, uh, I think two, a couple things of hell of an offensive line coach, right? But then I also think about eye um, formation option. You know what I mean? Can you, are you guys running some eye now or where you're at? Are you guys going to be flex bone? But can you kind of talk about your days in the eye formation and running some triple? Yeah, uh, we will probably have some eye. We, we put some eye package stuff in, and, and I feel certain that we'll get into it. I think we got a kid that will be a pretty special tailback. So, um, you know, anytime you got somebody that's just significantly better, you better find ways to get him the ball to the left and the right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I'm Good sure point. we'll get into it. Uh, you know, it's funny, the eye formation, uh, I, I ran it at University of the Cumberlands, and now we were we still ran Flexbone and all that, and I, it really came because we had one kid that was just better than everybody else, and he would play fullback for us, and then we put him in the eye tailback, you know, and so it was a way just to get him the ball. Um, and I get questions about it all the time about, I mean, I get emails cause I have some stuff on, on YouTube. I get emails all the time. I, I wish I was better at responding to all of them, um, about it. And so I didn't realize it was so unique that I was doing it, <laughs> you know, yeah. that we were doing it. but, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what was the question about it well, again? Well, I guess I wanted you to just talk a little bit about it, but just hearing you talk a little bit, some more questions were just popping up in my head. Like you brought up a good point there. Eye formation does give you kind of a way to get that dude to be able to go right and left. You know what I mean? If you, I know a lot of flexbone guys don't anchor a, a, a slot to just one side, you know, put yeah. them in that eye formation. I mean, you, you could go both ways on, on, on that triple for sure. And did you have like yeah. some uh, predetermined stuff too that you could get them uh, uh, from that eye, eye formation as well? Oh yeah, of course, belly. <laughs> you know we, uh, you know the questions that I'm going to get are going to be about the eye formation in the belly. I mean, I think anybody that knows me, or you can talk to me about for five minutes, and and I'm going to be like, so what about this belly G? You know, um, yeah. So when when we when we started using the eyes, because we had one kid that was just really good, and then we had other slot backs that were great kids, great people. But they weren't going to break it for 60, you know, but they would block their butt off. And so, you know, uh, we just kind of had to make the decision of you're a great blocker where you can catch the ball, where you can catch it on pass routes, uh, but we can't lean on you all the time to pitch the ball to you in space and and expect to break it. And so we just started putting uh, Hunter into the eye and motioning those other kids, and we'd motion them across the formation and put them in positions to block. Uh, and that way we were able to pitch it out to our best players uh, and get them downhill faster too. You know, there's a lot of the things about the eye that you don't realize till you get into it and how it allows those slot backs to get downhill when they get the ball pitched and square their shoulders up to the goal line a lot faster. And I think that helped us out, even with the kids that weren't 
great speed guys. You know, it made guys that had average speed look a lot faster because they were away from everybody and running to the goal line before anybody else could react. But, yeah, the main thing that we would use out of it was the belly G. We would get into the eye. We ran a little bit of power. We would run belly G, and instead of handing it to the fullback, we'd push it back and hand it to the tailback, and our fullback would lead through the pulling guard and and, uh, pick up the safety. Yeah, I think I think when you think about the eye formation, people probably think, uh, you know, uh, when you're in the flex bone, you can kind of key that motion, I guess. You, yeah. you know what I mean? That's all eliminated when you're in the eye. And then, of course, you always think about uh, Nebraska, right? Nebraska, man, running that eye back in the day with Tommy Frazier and Scott Frost yeah. and all them guys. I mean, yeah, they 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 made it look really good, you know? Yeah. And I think. What why it just makes me laugh? I think when I get the emails about the eye, is I mean we weren't Nebraska. Like we didn't do a lot. We didn't do different stuff. I mean we played. It's funny we played Carson Newman uh, one year. I forget. I think in fifteen, and I thought we were. I thought they were going to beat us a hundred to nothing. I mean they <laughs> they were just so good. And uh, we just snuck on them. I mean, those kids, they were worried about somebody else. And we lost to them 49 to 47, something like that. And Coach Sparks, who's another unbelievable person, um, you know, again, in the Southeast, you can't talk about football without Coach Sparks. But in his post-conference deal, he was talking. He's like, I don't know how they practice everything that they did. They ran every formation and every play you could imagine at us. And I started thinking, I went back and I looked, and we literally ran zone dive, belly G, inside veer, midline, and rocket. Those five plays, I don't even know if we ran counter, you know. <laughs> Those were the five plays, and we didn't run another play, um, with, except for some play action pass. But just by being in the eye and motion in those tailbacks, I mean, I think people thought it was a lot more advanced than it was. I mean, we ran veer and belly and midline, and that was about it. Yeah, but it helped. And <laughs> <laughs> that window dressing, man. Yeah. Wait. Oh, uh, yeah, more. Go ahead, coach. No, go ahead, Tony. I was just gonna say one one more thing. Uh, I I think we've talked in the past. It's pretty unique about what you do. Um, in my opinion, is uh, how you teach your offensive line uh, a stance. You're you mentioned you, you you like to coach the tripod stance, right? Can you talk a little bit about <laughs> that. Yeah, because um, you know the the big debate is. We put the inside hand down, the outside hand down, right? And then you yeah. just had a great response. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, we teach the tripod stance. And so we get into our normal stance. And there were certain times whenever we would want to veer and I'd have guys that didn't feel comfortable with their right hand down and then veering with their right hand. Or, you know, if we were running rocket and they wanted to rip their outside arm, you know, they didn't want to have their right hand down and rip it. And, and and this again wasn't anything I really came up with. I just noticed one of my kids who was a genius. He's a CPA in Atlanta now, making more money than I'll make in my lifetime. <laughs> you know, and I looked at him one day and noticed his hands. Both of them were almost on the ground together. And I mean, I, I don't know if our people see, yeah. but I mean, they were basically like, you know, his left hand was down and his right hand was were touching his left hand. And so if he needed to have more weight on his left hand so he could rip his right hand, he'd have his left hand down. If he was going left and he wanted to rip his right arm, he'd put his right hand down and pick up his left hand. 
So he was able to change the weight that was on his hand. But if you're watching film and if you're a player, nobody can really pick up on that because they're so close and so hidden. Um, and so, again, it was another way to get them in a low good stance and get weight on the appropriate hand. And it's worked out. I don't – not all the kids can do it, but once they kind of figure it out, I'll start talking to them and teaching them. And it's been something to help them. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, yeah, it's kind of funny looking at them. I mean, it does – it looks like they're in a little tripod. <laughs> you know? yeah. I've had people ask, like, are their hand, both their hands together on the ground? Yeah, that's what they're doing. So, yeah, I train them up. I put this fancy thing around their wrist. You can buy one for $150. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding around. Yeah. Now, it reminds me, though, like back in the wishbone days, man, we used to come out of a four-point stance. You know what I mean? That was, yeah. that was good yeah. That was good stuff. Fanny high coming off the ball, baby. There you go. You know? Hey, well – uh, you mentioned you're just kind of getting back into the nuts and bolts of the new school. So this, this rolls right into a great question. What, you know, talk about how you guys are going to are practicing, like how you're going to practice, you know, I mean, you're putting in the option stuff uh, for, with these kids and, and, and talk about like, you know, how you think you're going to probably practice um, and, and maybe talk about too. I think there'll be a lot of people interested to in know, right? So here you are, you're going up there to coach offensive line and this team's been, you know, they've done some some things out of the spread. You know, talk about, you know, practice, but talk about, too, like your plan to transition your guys. You know what I'm saying? Because I think we do definitely get some questions from guys like, hey, we were in this scheme before or want and we want to go to Flexbone for these particular reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we do get a lot of questions about, you know, how should I, you know, transfer those principles over with their kids. And I think you'd be mm-hmm. a great one to talk about it. And, you know, just to just add to that question too, because we were just talking to a guy the other night, coach, and he's going to the flex bone, but he wants to go from the pistol. You know what I mean? Because of the mindset of the kids trans- transitioning, you know, from the spread, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to kind yeah. of fool, fool them a little bit. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I was thinking – this is about the third, well, I guess fourth time that I've been involved in installing the flex bone uh, from scratch. Yeah, I mean, when, of course, when we were at Shorter, you know, like I said, they, they had not done anything. So we had to bring them in and teach them. When I went to University of Cumberland, they were, you know, John Bland was the head coach before I got there, and he's one of – to me, he's one of the best play callers I've ever seen. Uh, Bland, uh, Coach Bland does an unbelievable job. And they do uh, some flex bone stuff and they'll run some veer, but I don't think he would identify or he wouldn't have, wouldn't have identified them as a flex bone team. I mean, they did some other stuff in there. And so there was still a pretty big transition at University of Cumberland. Of course, going to Cumberland uh, and Trousdale, both the year before had been in the gun. So, uh, I guess I'm trying, I'm learning, (laughs) you know, I guess I will know how to do that or should know it by now. The biggest thing coach to me is mindset and attitude. And if you were putting in the flex bone, I think trying to get the kids to buy into how much effort you have to play with and the mentality of, not what you do, 
but the manner in which you do it. You know, and that's what I try and tell kids all the time is it's not what you do, but it's the manner in which you do it. What's your attitude? What's your mindset? How are you trying to finish? And trying to get them to understand that. And it's just such a different mindset. Not that guys that are in the spread don't play hard. Not that they – but it's just different. Yeah. You know, and I think anybody that's ever done it, they, they yeah. get that. That it's just a different mindset and mentality. And so that's what I have to do is try to get them to learn that they can go beyond what maybe is a simple thing. So really what I spent a lot of my stuff early on is effort drills. You know, I'll do things of just setting up dummies and having them bear crawl real fast so they can understand, you know, that I can move a little bit faster than what I think I can. You know, we'll, we do things like being the first one to the shoot. And if you're not, if you're the last two, you have to do up downs. Uh, not as a punishment, but just as a mentality of I want to be first and I want to compete in everything that I do, even if it is just getting to the drill first. Uh, we do when I when we practice and we do live situations uh, or even on dummies, I do what we call the circle of truth. And the circle of truth, I count, I count loaves after every practice. And then we come back the next day and we all form a circle. And they come in and they say, my name is Paul Pitts, and I had eight loaves yesterday. And all the offensive linemen do eight loaves. And they come in and, you know, however many it is. And what, that, what it teaches them, one, is how you practice is how you're going to play on Friday. And so if you play with fanatical effort or you practice with fanatical effort to where everybody's watching and saying, these guys are insane. They're stupid the way that they practice. They, they, why are you practicing so hard? You know, if you practice like that, you're going to play like that on Fridays. Yeah, yeah. And if you play like that, you give yourself a shot. And so, you know, like the circle of truth, it, it, of course, it starts out where everybody kind of moans and groans about it, but, after they kind of get it, that look, coach it just trying to be a jerk. He's like trying to mess with us. It's an accountability. You know, yeah. then it, they're looking at them and they're like that left tackle. Why did you have eight loaves yesterday? Yeah. You know, somebody else walks up and they had one loaf. They had zero loaves. And, and it's inevitably the same person or maybe the same two people that lead the team in loaves. And people start holding them accountable and saying, you know, why is it we're giving effort and you think you can take a playoff. You know, yeah. is that really what our team is about? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great idea. We, <laughs> I like the fact you called that circle of truth because <sighs> we call it a circle of death. And I guess that's probably, <laughs> that's probably, that's probably not politically correct anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, when you said that, I started chuckling because <laughs> we come in on Mondays after a game. I mean, we did this in college. Now I made them kids yeah. like we get out there and we if you you know if you had a critical penalty, like yeah. you know like um like like not offsides in the middle of the field. You know we address that differently. But like if it's yeah. you know if it's the balls going in on the twenty, you know, and and you're offsides or or or, or it gives them a first down, or you had a critical error that led to a score, you know, yeah. something like that, and, and or, or the penalty. Like, so that's how many up-downs you have, right? So if you had a 15-yard penalty, you, had, you know, you could jog out to the middle, I'm Matt McLeod, I let the team yeah. down 15 times, and we'd hit them. Right? Yeah. 
Uh, we, yeah. we, we call it a circle. I'm glad I got something tonight. <laughs> circle of truth. That'll be a lot easier. For, for, Sounds a little for, better. Yeah, it'll be a lot, <laughs> be a lot better for the, for the world to, to digest. So I'll If think, you explain it, you can always go back, hey, truth, accountability. You know, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's probably a lot better than what I, what I, what I call it. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. Yeah, I think it's uh, uh yeah. No, I, and the good thing about the offense too, and and you know, you got some of that built-in stuff. You know, when you start doing your drills and the, and you start talking about the plays and and what the kids, you know, what they have to do, it just kind of starts breeding that type of mentality anyway. You know, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and you know, that's so. Those are some great ideas. Um, definitely, definitely think that's going to help some listeners. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I, I I was thinking about the word grit as you were talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking about you know when you you go hunting with them dogs. You know what I mean? You got to toughen them. You know what I mean? Before they get out there and can and can run with the, uh, all the seasoned dogs. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of as you was talking. I, I was thinking back uh, back in 2011. We I, I I forgot we we came into a situation that was a spread team and um, uh, took them to become a flexbone team and. Um, I, I think after that first game and they saw how physical we were and and uh, they were a losing team and now now we were starting to turn it around and, and actually have some success, the, the, the kids really bought in then as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, it's so funny, too. Like, uh, I always think about the, the quarterback that we had. He used to be a receiver, right? And the year before, I think he had like 12 touches total. He, 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 he wanted to be a receiver so bad. He was like one of the top track kids in the state of Florida, right? Moved his behind to uh, quarterback. He ends up over a hundred and something touches. You know what I mean? And you know, so a bunch of touchdowns. And uh, I don't know. We just look like a bunch of smart coaches. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> At the end of the day, if you just get your best athlete more touches, you're gonna. That's gonna equal wins. At the end of the day, right? It helps. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Take them gloves off, man. Get on the center. Let's rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Those are some of the thoughts I was having while you were talking, but. Um, Let's let's go ahead now and talk a little bit about uh, 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 game planning, Coach. We always we always laugh about this because we don't know how things are where you are at, right? But where we're at, right? We never know what we're going to get on a Friday night, you know. And all the coaches always, you know, kind of guess. Hey, we think we're going to get this. We all make a bet, right? Is that kind of how it is for you too? Like, how do you guys practice? Yeah, I, every option coach says the same thing, you yeah. know. Um, you don't really know what it is that you're going to get. I do think that formations kind of help equalize that. And so that's why I've always been a big believer in using formations, whether it's I with a wing back, whether it's I twins, whether it's just getting into unbalanced quads. Um, at trials, so we did a lot of shifting our tight end and our wing back. And so by doing that, we got a lot more base defense than probably what I've seen in the past. Uh, and so that helped. Uh, you know, if we were to line up and just, you know, in regular ace formation or just line up in double slot, those times I feel like we got a lot more stuff defensively. But the more we shift and the more we formation people, the more base structure that we get. But we don't, you know, we get a lot of 4-4 four, four, and 3-4. It's pretty much what we're going to get. 
most of the time. Uh, we've seen some 3-3 stack. We saw some of that this past year, uh, which was probably – we saw it two or three times this year, which is the most I've seen it in, in years. I hadn't seen as many people do that since – well, since Bland was at, <laughs> at University of Cumberland, so in 13 and 14. Um, yeah, so to kind of even it out, we try to use a lot of formations and shifts to help out with that stuff. Yeah. And how, besides that, like uh, it, it, during your practice week, I mean, are you are you kind of <laughs> like, um, you know, looking at film and and saying, OK, uh, throughout the season, they were a three, four team, you know, that mm-hmm. we're, this is what we're going to do. Or, or are you guys like hitting? Are you guys more like a Harding, you know, where every front, every stunt, every day kind of deal, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, with that, we we try to kind of show with what it is that, that we expect to get from them. Um, and in the summer, we do a lot of, I mean, like this past week, we've had a 3-3 day. We had a 4-4 day. You know, we've shown different things throughout the summer. Uh, and in camp, we'll try to show a lot of that stuff. But a lot of the stuff that I have, it's it's just rule it, or it's gap-oriented. You know, a lot of the things that, that I like to do is going to be a gap down back. We're going to get a down-down kick. Um, you know, or we're going to be in the veer and the midline, which, you know, kind of the rules kind of help take care of themselves. And then you can get into your tags based on the situation. So I guess, Tony, to answer your question, we show what we think we're going to get, but we try to make our rules simple enough to where no matter what they show in front of us, our guys are capable of handling it. Yeah. And your kids have seen it at some point and it's just at some point they've seen it. Yeah. 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 No surprise yep. kind of deal. Yeah. And if we if we get into a situation where they where it's taken a minute to figure it out, then you know, we just stick with our gap down and our rocket and then, you know, some of our things that are simple for us until we can get it figured out to explain other aspects if we need to talk about veer or whatever. Mm-hmm. That brings us to our next question. This is Coach McLeod's favorite uh, favorite deal, man. He's an inside beard advocate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. He's, he's, he's trying to bring it back. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just feels like, we, you know, when you watch uh, college football on Saturday, you don't see it enough. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and you do a great job with inside beer. Um, and uh, can you maybe talk about uh, some inside beer adjustments you use maybe versus an odd front? Before we came on, uh, we were talking about what, what, what you call the Furman scheme, you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, maybe just give us, uh, you know, kind of your approach, some unique approach to uh, attacking an odd front there. Yeah. Um, first, I'll say, hey, I'm with you, Matt. I'm, I'm an inside veer. You know, I, I know the trend is nowadays to go midline, and, and there's a lot of mid-triple people out there and, cool, that's good, and then we'll run some mid-triple and all that at Galden. But for me, it starts with the inside beer. And and midline is a great compliment. To me, a midline is there to get you out of a three technique. You know, I mean, that's – for me, I just run the midline just so you won't give me a freaking three anymore. Oh, um, You know, I don't like midline against an odd front, you know, and, again, a lot of people do. Uh, I like inside veer. Uh, and of course, Belly G against an odd front. So, yeah. So, an odd. Anytime we're running against an odd, my question is always, how do you handle the nose guard? How do you handle that zero yeah. technique? 
Because if you're playing against a 50, and I'll stick with a 50 right now, 3-4, yeah. you know, look, anytime you're playing against that 50, who is the best defensive lineman? It's no, going to be no. that zero take. The war I mean, dead, right? They, yeah. yeah, they put their best dude in there. And so you got to ask yourself, how do you handle him and how are they going to play it? Are they going to try to read it? Are they going to try to slant? Um, you know, just what are they doing from that? And so that's always my first question. Uh, I have not had a ton of success looping, you know, where you're outside releasing, sending your guard to the mic. Everybody says to do that. And, and that's the answer to it. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's just that our center has never been as good as the nose guards that we play, but, you know, that has just not ever been a big scheme because that nose guard so often slants or reads and plays over to the veer track. And that's a hard, to me, a zero technique slant over into a gap is a harder bend back by the fullback than it is in other cases. Um, it's reading that action key. So, you know, I'm going to try and find a way to handle that nose guard. And so we came up with a couple of different ways uh, that we would handle it. The two that we had that helped us the most is what, Tony, you said, uh, what I call the Furman scheme. And all it is is where your play side tackle is going to be responsible for down blocking through B to A gap. And so I would teach that tackle to down block and you were trying to run through the hip of that zero technique and if that zero technique uh, hip disappears now you just flatten up and work up to the backside back mm -hmm. and your guard in Furman is going to pull and he becomes the bracket for that Mike backer who's going to scrape over the top and so you know the two schemes that I have really come from film study. And I, to give a little bit of background, uh, when I, when we were at University of Cumberlands, we played Lindsey Wilson College, who was a heavy 3-4 And then we played Georgetown, which was straight 3-4. They, and they played 3-4, and both of them were really dang good at it, but they ran it really differently against us. So Georgetown, they would read it. And you knew if your play side tackle inside release – you're going to get squeezed straight from your DN and your linebacker. Mm -hmm. If you looped, you knew that defensive end was stepping up, making the delivery. Mike Backer was going to fill play side backer, play day gap. And we just couldn't handle it. We weren't good enough. But we knew they were so well coached, they were going to play by the scheme, play by that rule. And so with Georgetown, we would down block with the tackle and we would just tell that uh, guard – drop your outside foot, wrap around that defensive end, get vertical. You're looking for the Mike backers. He scrapes over the top, you know, because of reads, we knew he wasn't going to be a filler. And so that allowed us to most of the time get a pull read and get the ball in the perimeter. But if he didn't squeeze enough, we could double team that nose guard, hand it to our fullback and we had a shot, you know, to go. Mm -hmm. So that helped us out. And then we saw Lindsey Wilson, who Lindsey Wilson – was going to try to make it a givery. They were going to step that defensive end up hard. He was going to fight the belly, belly G. Um, and then their Mike Backer, no matter what our tackle did, that's what they were going to do. And then that Mike Backer was going to fill. 
Uh, so then we went with the scheme that, I mean, a lot of people use this one where your guard just goes straight ahead, bases the Mike backer, and our tackle used the same technique. He came off the back hip of that guard, and he would double to Mike or double to backside on that nose guard. So those think, are two schemes. We I think some people call that zip or something. It, it was a zip or something like that, or, or? I, I called it zip. Yeah, okay, that yeah. was our tag. We would call that zip. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people use that, especially against like a four three, because yeah. we use it against a four three as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a especially with a shade, or you know, if you got a one technique, even you can do it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And. That's good and, stuff. <laughs> and the play side tackles got his carryover for belly on that block, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he would be doing the same stuff. And you would have to – and we would adjust their alignment. You know, if that guard was – if it was zip and that guard was going straight to the mic, guard would scoot up, tackle would stay where he is so he could come. If it was going to be um, the Furman deal, then the tackle would scoot up so that he had a little bit better angle. Mm -hmm. um, but that again, that came because we knew exactly how they were going to play it. I mean, we had mm -hmm. played those guys for I mean a long time, a lot of years, and so that helped us to take advantage of well-coached teams that were going to read their keys and react a certain way. Mm -hmm. uh, and it helped us to handle the nose guard, you know. And it, it, you know, people always talk to me against the 50 of Letcher's centers uh, base block and handle the zero by himself. Yeah. If you got a kid that can do it, it don't matter what you run, you're going to be successful. I've never had a center that can just base block and handle a nose guard by himself. So I'm not going to put him in that yeah. position because I don't want him to come back to me and say, coach, you knew darn well and good. I couldn't base block that guy <laughs> by myself. So yeah. Yeah. I always joke to teach him how to hold and ride the bull, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, and, and that that's certainly. Uh, I'm not saying it's successful. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way yeah. to double team the nose. I'm not going right. to put my center. You know, I guess I go by. I just have flashbacks to my first varsity action was against a guy named Kedrick Golston down at oh, Sandy Creek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that guy was the number one defensive lineman in the country coming out of high school. Played at Georgia. He uh, played in the NFL for I don't even know how long. And I wasn't good enough to be playing varsity. But, again, I was the only person that could write down what my the assignment was. And so I went in there, and the coach was like – I remember him. He goes, you wrestle. How can you not stay in front of them? And I'm like, dude, physics. That's why you know, I'm not good enough to <laughs> <laughs> so I have flashbacks where I'm just like, Coach, you know, darn well and good. I can't face block that guy. That ain't my fault. That's your yeah. fault. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, those couple of those schemes make a lot of sense, too. And I bet you, I don't know, but I'm going to bet that Furman scheme you got from those guys probably in a response to Wofford because they would slant and angle their front to particularly to the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and make you have to work something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. It, it would look like a give read because the four slanting out. Right. And then the yep. nose is crossing face and the backers filling, you know what I mean? Is, 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 yeah. They Wofford was like really good at defending triple. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And that makes complete sense, right? So your tackle's down just like you would on belly, right? Mm-hmm. Shaving that hip off. And, and yep. then if it's there, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Those are two good schemes, real good schemes. I appreciate you doing that, man. Yeah. And then one other is the backside guard. We would, I, we taught him a track step and, and what it would do is we would teach him to come right off the backside hip of that zero technique and try to beat the backside backer to a gap. And so you're getting either one or two people to that backside backer. And, and we actually had them step underneath themselves. They would almost that if they were going to the right, their right foot would actually step to here so that it would get their hips turned. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would step basically to where in front of their left hip or left uh, foot. Mm -hmm. And then when they cross over on the second step, it got their hips turned into the angle mm-hmm. to come off of that hip and be able to get to that backside backer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So makes sense. It was funny, but you know, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you've got a lot of, uh, um, for those, for those guys that'll be reaching out to you, I know they will. You got quite a few drills online, right? YouTube, a lot of great mm-hmm. O-line drills out there. So, you know, go to YouTube, type in Coach Paul Pitts. You'll it'll pop up, right? You'll see it, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you can get. We'll get your, uh, you know, what you feel like is your best way for somebody to get in touch with you here in a minute. But but we want to land a plane here, and um, you know, we really appreciate you being on with us. But uh, leave us with a couple of drills or a drill, you know, that you feel like's really vital for the flex bone. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, just detail a little bit, talk about if you need some equipment, what equipment they, you would need, and then uh, mm-hmm. and then just detail a little bit. Did they get yeah. you a shoot? Did they get you a shoot yet up there, man? We got a shoot. It ain't it don't go low enough, but we got a shoot. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what me and Clemens we were talking about. Uh, in fact, Matt, he was talking about and uh, I guess one of the ways he had mentioned your name the first time is one of your square he, – he's talking about maybe some square things where you got your quarterback's feet in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and, and we were watching Springfield yeah. film yeah. last night. Yeah. yeah, And he saw – it was like, that's the thing that I was telling you about with Matt. Yeah. So, yeah, when I, he, you're yeah. going to have to give me dimensions on that before we leave because he was asking <laughs> yeah. about that. So. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, let's see here. What drills – listen, man, I – I, you know, I'm so simple. I'm simple-minded. So I don't – you know, I wish I could give you some kind of fancy drill that that we do. But, good gracious, if we're going to practice a combo, we're going to get in there and we're going to combo. You know, so I guess let me – my combo progression, how about that, is yeah. – that's what, you know, because so much of it is built on it. You know, I like a progression. And so we do a lot of stuff leading up to how to base block. Um, and, and we don't have enough time on the internet to talk about all those things that you lead up to it. But we do a lot of stuff teaching people just how to base block. But when we come to combo, uh, what we do is we go one, two, three, fast, uh, fast three, and then full speed. And that's what I tell our guys. They know when I say that, you know, they, they get it. And so what we do is we'll set up our combo. We put our lineman under the chute. We'll put a three technique on the guard or we'll put a one technique on a guard shape, whatever it is. You know, you've got your combo guy front and your, your covered guy who's going to be base for life. And you got your uncovered guy 
who's going to be working combo to backside backer. And so we'll put them in there, get their alignment right. I prefer if you have those heavy bags, and that's one thing, Tony, we're, we're talking about getting is those big, I mean, at shorter we had them, and they were like 100 pounds. Uh, but those big, and I don't even know what they're called, but they're just they're big, Permian heavy. bags, yeah. I think they're called okay, Permian. Permian. I think that's what I, I've always heard it called that. Or shit, you just okay. get one of them. You just get a bag and leave it out in the rain for a couple of days. There you go. <laughs> well, we did that. We we had those big, heavy, 100-pound bags, and we left it out there because it's shorter. We didn't have anywhere to put them, and we didn't have a practice facility. We were using the youth uh, – we were using the rec soccer fields. And so our kids would drive to practice every day, and we would practice – and the soccer coaches for like the local youth soccer would come out there and be like, uh, sir, your time is up. We, we have to practice our uh, eight-year-old soccer right now. And we're like, oh, yeah, well, we got to play Georgetown. Those guys won the next <laughs> you know, I mean, which one? So yeah. we didn't have anywhere to put that stuff, and we just left it. And so those would get soaked in the rain. By mid, by, by October, man, those things were 300 pounds. The kids would just hate us. But anyway, so, yeah, so you get those big, heavy bags. Uh, or you could just use a bat, a regular bag. And so we just progression it. And so we go and we line up and we I count out one. And I want you to take your first step. And the coaching points that I have on it is you're taking your backside knee. You're trying to drive it and roll it down. And you were trying to push your hip over to where your hip is behind your uh, inside or your second step leg right there on that thigh. You're trying to push your hips behind your thigh and get your chest over your thigh board. And you're going to take that first step that if I'm, if I'm comboing to my left, my left heel, I'm trying to turn it out slightly. And by turning that heel out slightly, it keeps your toe point straight ahead. And that's a big coaching point is, you know, roll the backside knee, turn your left heel out, keeps your toe straight ahead. So then we take our second step. And so I'll say two. And now all you're doing is you're just going to bring that second step back up underneath your body. And I'm trying to look for that second step one to make sure you have heel to toe ratio. Your second step, your heel should be aligned with your first toe or the toe of your first step, okay? Uh, and you want that up underneath your armpit. And then we say three, and now it's back. Drive that backside knee down, step, and we ought to be hip to hip by then. And so we'll go one, two, three. And then we'll come back, and I'll say fast three. And I'll say hit, and they're going to take those same steps as fast as they can just those three steps. And then we come back and now we go full speed. And so you can get three reps right there pretty quickly in a controlled setting um, without having to, you know, there's just not a lot of time lag time between it. So that's been a, a big drill for me of just progression. Put it, put it, slow it down so it's easy for them to do, then increase the uh, increase it a little bit, make it a little bit harder, and then make it a full speed go. At, that's not very complicated. I'm sorry, coaches. <laughs> I wish you no, know. I see great. I that's see all kinds cool. of like drill tent, clay no, uh, no. drill stuff, and I'm like, man, that's some fancy stuff. And no, that's wait, wait <laughs> no, that's a no, no. You did a great job. That's great. <laughs> that's good coaching points there, man. That's great. That's awesome. Man. Absolutely. I bet you you're gonna, you're gonna have to double a guy eventually. You know what I mean? It's gonna have no to doubt. Happen. 
no doubt. Yeah, and, and this has been a unique – I've not been a huge sled guy. Like, I don't – I have a sled progression that we would normally do, like, in spring ball and all. But, you know, I like to be on live people more than anything or, you know, moving situations. But here at Gallatin, they were coached up pretty good on running the zone, and they got they got that stagger stance, a hipping in and all that. And so I've had to be on the sled more this past these past two weeks, getting them to understand of, you know, squared up shoulders, squared up feet, roll those knees down, trying to gain ground with every single step, not leaning in and hipping into stuff. And and that that was a unique thing where I haven't had to do that at any of the other places. And it took me about three days. The first week, this past week, we were on the sled every single day for most of practice just to get them out of the, the high leg and the hipping into it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's yeah, I did. That first week, I was like, what in the crap are y'all doing? What is, right. you know, and I was like, yeah. well, duh, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. They had to learn a new way to baseball. Yeah, 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 sure. Right, Sh- shoulders over chest, chest over knee. I mean, that whole that whole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, just now that you said that, it, it hit me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a vertical post and a hip. Yeah, that's, yep. right. that's exactly right. Dang, yep. Well, you, you've had your work cut out for you then. <laughs> yeah, but the kids, man, they've responded well. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the fact that we have a bunch of young offensive linemen. You know, we got a bunch of sophomores in there, and so they maybe just don't know any better, um, you know, transition or – we got a bunch of great kids. They're, they've been really fun to be around, uh, which which always makes it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, hey, Coach, exactly. before before we let you go, can can I ask you real quick, and Coach McLeod, you chime in on this too, about um, there's been a lot of buzz about uh, the high school rule for uh, for cutting in the box this year uh, or scooping. You know, how how – how that's going to affect us in the uh, in the flex bone with uh, with scooping? Uh, do you anticipate any issues there uh, with with your scooping there on the backside of, of, of plays? Oh, we've been we've been talking on the chat a lot, man, about how you know guys are going to try to handle it. You know what I mean? I, I guess the, uh, the 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 general consensus of some guys, you know. Flirting with zoning away. Uh, one guy was talking about pin and pulling. I was talking about maybe trying to scramble it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're scrambling in there. To be, tell or, me what the tell me what I haven't heard anything about it. You know, I've transitioned there, so I may have missed some stuff. What it? What's the rule? What, what are they doing with it? Or what it changes? You're not going to be able to cut behind the ball at all now, at all. Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't think that for me is a big deal because, you know, I never, I never tried to get those guys cutting at all. You know, I tried to get them running through the hip. Um, And I wanted that backside to try to clear the, the long scoop. So, you know, I don't know. We'll just have to see. I'll kind of have yeah, to look know, at it and see. And when I say cut, I mean, like, you, you won't be able to block below the waist behind the ball. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, I'll just have to look at it. You know, for me, the, the way that I've always coached it is we have a short scoop and a long scoop. And so, yeah. if you if you do not have a threat to your gap, you basically veer release. That's a short scoop. 
And all I'm trying to do is virilise and rip through the inside shoulder of that backside technique. And so what that does is it keeps him from chasing everything down and it makes it easier for that backside tackle, for instance, to get his head across and to get in front of that guy. And so that's helped a lot in getting cutting type penalties for us because we're not having to chase a defensive lineman. We're setting that edge. And I tell that guard, hey, if A-gap starts out at three feet, it's your job to make sure A-gap stays three feet wide. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then our backside, our long scoop, it's always you're trying to put your helmet on his play side hip. I'm trying to get my backside shoulder across his play side hip. And so as we step, I'm putting my left shoulder, if I'm scooping right, put my left shoulder down to try and reduce it almost like a veer and then punch it through that hip. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think that has helped us stay a little bit higher to where we're not cutting thighs and we're not cutting people down on our scoops. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now when we were in college, certainly is, you know, a little bit different there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I'll have to look at it. I'll have to look into the rule and see how we're going to adjust it. I don't think it's just a flex bone thing either, you know, because – I mean, I've seen a lot of outside zone stretch type teams, man. They, they, I was they about got, to say the outside zone. Truthfully, outside guy, outside zone guys are the ones that are screwing us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like I've seen more injuries from the outside zone guys chasing it and doing their cuts. Yeah. Then you see it in the flex bone because ours is happening in a small box. Right. You know, ours is happening on that line of scrimmage in a small box where theirs is moving, and so people are getting out of athletic stances and running, and that's when they're getting cut. Um, yeah, yep. So, and I've always you know, said our guys are the same levels. You know what I mean? You're coaching yeah. your guys through scoops at the same levels, right? Because if yeah. you don't, that is a penalty, right? And, yeah, and, oh, yeah. and these guys, like you're talking about, are chasing and cutting from behind, which yeah. is that was what th- that, that rule came in three years ago, right? You couldn't yeah. cut anybody from behind in the tackle box; had to be in front. And now and I think it's, that's a you know that's what I think that's a valid rule. I mean, I don't yeah. I've never e- even in college in in so many times I've never told a kid to cut somebody in the back of the legs or behind, right? Behind or even like I haven't even said. Um, trying to cut that near knee. You know, I've never just put yourself in a position just to cut, just to hurt. Um, yeah. I think that's a valid rule, yeah. but I don't think there's anything wrong if you are getting everything placed side. Right. You know, I think you reduce injuries, but again, we blame it on the spread guys, man. They, they're hurting <laughs> all of us. You know, we're the ones to get all the blame for it, but yeah. then it's the it's the spread and outside zone that's, that's uh, getting us hurt. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, man. It's always something, you know. I remember listening to a guy here, maybe just a couple of years ago, talk about the high-low stuff we were worried about, you know, at the on the nose guard, you know. So they're not even they're not even trying to scoop the nose anymore. They're just trying to get yeah. like the, the 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 like a reach to cut it off, you know. But yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Can't wait. And going back to the fifty. You know, that was another reason why I don't like looping and why I kind of got away from it is because that nose guard is normally the guy that is able to move and you're having to chase that thing. And we had – of the high-low penalties that I've had, 
I'd say 90% of them came on a zero technique. You know, we don't get them very much on a three or a, or a shade. It's on that zero. Um, just center getting hung up on them kind of deal. Exactly. Your center yeah. getting hung up and, you know, your guard just trying to make an effort, you know, so that's another reason why I try to avoid it. Cause I don't want to put those kids in bad positions. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great, great conversation about some O-line stuff tonight. Loads that was awesome, off. man. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, you coming on, Coach. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate y'all. Uh, yeah. I think the world yeah. of y'all, man, y'all do a great job. And, you know, y'all are just such great advocates for the Veer and Flexbone and high school football and learning. You know, I guess probably the biggest thing is y'all are just advocates for learning. And so I appreciate y'all having me on here tonight. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, no, the listeners are going to love this episode, man. You did a great job. And before we head out of here, man, why don't you give the listeners maybe the best way to get in touch with you? Social media yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, Twitter's a good one. Um, I think my Twitter handle is Coach Pitts TC. Okay. Uh, Coach Pitts, P I T T S, it's two T's. Uh, and then my email address is Coach Paul Pitts at gmail.com. So P-A-U-L-P-I-T-T-S at gmail.com. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so any questions, be happy to help out. Well, I'm sure you'll have some guys reach out to you. And and just so the listeners can remember, you've got that, a lot of those drills on YouTube. So they can search, mm -hmm. search it up and look, and then if they got any questions, they can ask you. So Yeah, no doubt. All right, man, we can't thank you enough. Really appreciate you coming on. Well, I appreciate you all.